Welcome to this full interview from episode four of Choice Wisdom, New Choices, featuring Jane Baldwin, who is the creator of The Unwinding Compass. I'm your host, Gail Goodman-Lynch. Jane discovered early in her career that she loved to travel and to be outdoors. So this led her on the path of working as an archaeologist and anthropologist, working in Central America and studying Mayan culture. Through this work, she became fascinated by what you cannot see in the jungles at first glance. And that led her to apply the same method to people, helping them find the gifts, talents, and treasures that lie within each one of us. It began in her 20s when she was diagnosed with cancer. Through that journey, she began to ask herself, what is most important? What matters the most? Jane then embarked on a wellness journey that attracted groups of people to her wellness retreat center who helped her discover the importance of breathwork and how it is used to maintain mind, body, and the spirit through balance. In this episode, she dives deeper into these concepts and shares the wisdom that helped her create the Unwinding Compass Method. Okay, Jane, thank you so much for joining us on the Choice Wisdom Podcast. Gail, thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here today. Well, and I am really excited to talk about what you are going to talk about today because it's all about breath work and, you know, becoming a better version of yourself and all these wonderful things that you do. But of course, for most people, that's probably like, what the heck is breath work? I'm not really sure what this is all about. So I thought I'd ask you first to sort of give us a description of what is your professional background, and then we can kind of get into how you got into this work, if that works for you. Sure. My, uh, I started out as an anthropologist and an archaeologist. My, what determined my career was that I liked being outside. And I was doing archaeology in uh, New Mexico one day, standing up on a mesa and the, as the sun was rising. And I said, this is what this is what I want my career to be. This is what I want to do. And so I went from there to uh, work in Belize, uh, doing archaeology in Belize, in the Maya archaeology and the jungles there. And I also worked in Guatemala as an ethnographer, um, working with the uh, Maya today. So I've worked, people say, what happened to the Maya? They're still here. Um, what's not here is the hierarchical structure that, so, you know, we've got the, the remains of the temples and the ruins of the temples, um, and the people are actually still here. It's just the hierarchy and the, the, um, the kings uh, are gone. <laughs> wow. So I don't think I've ever known anyone who's been an archaeologist, anthropologist, or any of those things. I mean, how did you wind up getting into that line of work? Did you like go to school intentionally to do that? Oh, I did. I was um, at UT Austin in, uh, I got my degree in Latin American studies. I had been to uh, Mexico on uh, living with a family and spending the summer there. And I loved it so much that I came back and I changed my major from, you know, international relations. It was something travel-y because I always loved to travel. Um, and I changed it to Latin American studies, mainly because um, 
I chose that. They have a Latin American Institute at UT Austin. They have the second largest uh, Latin American collection library outside of Germany, which I thought was interesting. And so I just wanted to be a part of that whole experience and learn as much as I could about uh, Latin America. And um, then when I was in school there, uh, they had a a field field school to um, Belize as an undergrad. And I went there and had the time of my life. I was like, wait a second, I can. So we work for 10 days on, and then we get a four day break and we can uh, leave the jungle and go out to the keys and snorkel and dive. And I was like, that sounds like a pretty good job to me. People actually do this for a living. Okay, let's go. Oh my gosh, that's what a great job. Okay, and so now your job is really interesting as well and quite different. So you've got to kind of explain to me, well, first let's kind of maybe start with um, what is breath work and then how did you get interested in doing it? I uh, was always interested in going and searching and exploring and discovering and finding the treasures um, in the jungle that you you can't see just by looking. Um, And now I do that with people because, you know, uh, we all have gifts and talents and treasures that we've lost or forgotten about. And so that's what I help people do is rediscover, uncover, and remember these gifts and talents and treasures that they've forgotten. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like that's sort of at soul level sort of thing, right? And Yeah, exactly. And like grow up and, you know, your dad told you you should become an accountant, but you never really wanted to be an accountant and there you are, right? Oh my gosh, my grandmother was like, okay, whatever you're doing with this little archaeology right now, fine, but you're going to come back and go to law school. And I was like, okay, <laughs> thank goodness that never happened. <laughs> You're kind of like, I just, I'm not seeing it, Grandma. I'm sorry. I love being outside and being stuck in the courtroom or in an office 90 hours a week. Forget that. Oh, my gosh. How wonderful. So the breathwork itself, could you get a little bit more into what is it or how do you work with your clients, perhaps, and just sort of explain what that is? Yeah. So, well, you know, I'll just tell you how I got into the breathwork is, um, in my 20s, I uh, while I was in uh, grad school in uh, Maya archaeology, I was diagnosed with cancer, and that just completely changed my trajectory because cancer has a way of asking the question, what's most important? What matters most? And you know, for me, that was the gift of cancer, that I was able to heal from it and use that time to really discern what was the most important for me, what was I missing, what was I not thinking about. And then really all this came through my healing, like what was the best way for me to heal? And of course, you know, I took um, advantage of all of the medical treatments. I had surgery and radiation. But I found that if if um, if I wasn't asking that question of myself every single day, what matters most to me, that that fear, like even after the can, oh, the doctor says, you know, your cancer is gone, you're clear, you're fine, you're still going to have those thoughts in that mind is going to do whatever it does. 
and create that fear of, oh, it can come back. And, you know, all the feelings of hopelessness and the death and um, just, you've, you, you know, I needed a way to get a handle on just my thoughts running away from me. And so really bringing it back to focusing on what um, matters most, right? So healing from cancer or any other illness is really uh, more than physical. There's a mental component. There's an emotional one. And if you believe that illness is part of your soul's journey, then there's also a spiritual component for you there as well. And so that's where breath work, meditation, and yoga really helped. So I also got into Ayurvedic cooking. Um, and so we could talk a little bit about that too. And, and just the whole idea, Ayurveda, when you, when you study yoga, Ayurveda naturally arises because it's a 5,000 year system of, it's the oldest scientific system of healing. And it, and it's part of that same uh, branch as yoga or um, system as yoga. So that's, that was also a very much a part just the, from the food aspect. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. If you could explain a little bit more about that, what is it and how did you, how did you even discover it? Right. Were you even aware? Of well, you know, <laughs> okay. Well, the other part that I, that I, you know, after all of that happened, another thing is that I'm a, a wellness entrepreneur and my husband and I uh, had a retreat and wellness center um, outside of Dallas for uh, many years. And we attracted uh, Buddhists would come do meditation retreats there. Ayurvedic doctors would come and do their meditations and healing there. So we were just very fortunate to have this space. So lots of people showed up and I just got to learn by proxy. And one of the people that came was an Ayurvedic chef. And that was something I was like, this is doable. I really am interested in learning how to eat like this. It, you know, it's very, um, the the they call it the meditator's diet because it's got um the principles of it are uh really soothing to really um soothe your digestion or not not be you know so much of what we eat requires a lot of energy from our digestion we have to digest a lot you know and then we've we're always taking probably some sort of thing to help help with that right some tums or something like that Sure. Um, so what this does and I, every every quarter or so, I like to do a couple of weeks of this diet just because it um, it's mainly uh, rice and uh, teeny tiny beans like the dolls from India and um, a mixture of of spices that they heat up to kind of open up the healing properties and then lots of vegetables. And so. Um, there's and then there's another principle of Ayurvedic cooking, which is the six tastes. It's sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. And the idea is that when you eat all six tastes in one meal, you don't crave anything. And so wow. when you eat this, when you eat this way for two or three weeks at a time, you're actually you watch your portions increase. Like you start out and you you fill the plate like you normally do. And at the end of the three weeks, you're, you're literally eating like a third of what you ate before. It's just kind of we just it baffles us how that really does work. But this whole idea behind Ayurveda and and Ayurvedic cooking is maintaining a balance between the mind, the body and the spirit. 
Because in Ayurveda, they believe that imbalance leads to disease and balance promotes health and well-being. And so it's that, so that's, you just, there, the science part is in what creates the balance and what creates the balance for you. And the thing that is what I learned from these Ayurvedic doctors about the breath is that no matter what, what you eat, who you are, how, how much you weigh, whoever you are, the, the one thing we all share in common is that we all have to breathe. I shadowed this Ayurvedic doctor for many years, uh, many times, and people would come in and tell him their problems, aches, pains every single time. He, he gave a prescription. It was a breathing technique. It wasn't oh. the same every time, um, but based on what they would say, where where they were feeling pain, where they were feeling discomfort, it would be certain breathing practices that so be, and that is because the breath is the most subtle form of feeling change shift that we can do uh oxygen we need it we have to have it right yeah and so that that that's number one right if you just start at the foundation start with the breath and okay. then see see what gets better with the breath right if you if you start with something else it it may not it may work it may not but the breath will always help the breath will all using your breath, learning about your breath, learning how you breathe in different, different times, which we can go into that a little bit later. But I just wanted to set that foundation for getting into the breath work. And I think you make an interesting point too, is it's like everybody starts their healing journey. Like if you feel like you're needing to heal from whatever, um, in a different way. And I remember like the work of Louise Hay, for example, who wrote mm -hmm. uh, books in the 1980s. And she talked a lot about, you know, healing from dis-ease. And, you know, a lot of what she would talk about is like, you know, it needs to be mind, body, or spirit doesn't matter where you start, start somewhere, right? But I like that you're sharing, yeah. like, well, you know what? The real simple thing to start with is breathing. <laughs> wow, we can all do that. You know, it's like you don't need a doctor's degree or something yes. to figure that one out. That's cool. So you get involved in it, right? And so what kind of yeah. what the next step in your journey? And Yes, yeah, so, so um, I started doing breath work as part of my healing process, you know, it's like really in, in, for my experience and I, and others that I'm very close to that, that have, you know, when you go through the medical, uh, me the medical system that we have is very good, very good at doing what they do. But then also like when you're done with the physical part, it's, it just, can feel like you just kind of get, then you get dumped out of the hospital and then you're like, okay, what, what just happened? That's how I, I felt a little bit. And so I needed to, so that's when I really started getting into yoga, really um, finding ways to calm myself. Um, and that's when I found breath work and um, you know, breath work I, I just want to start out by saying that it's a broad term that can refer to many different styles of breathing practice, um, many different patterns of breath, but it's the breath and focusing on the breath 
that's the focus. And so that's why it's breath work. Um, you know, the, the breath is intimately linked to your nervous system. So like anxiety and anger, when you're, when you're feeling those intense emotions, they correspond to an irregular, uh, short, fast breath, right. And you're breathing all up in here and that kicks your nervous system and your brain into, into a fight or flight, right. While longer, slower breaths activate a calmer rest and digest state. So when you're in worry, anxiety, and stress, you're either letting your regrets drag you back into the past, into your past and all your worries from your past, or your fears are pulling you into the future and you're not present. That's the whole thing about worry, stress, anxiety, worry, stress. How do we, how how do we manage it? How do we manage it? There's it's really just with the breath and right now. Those are the ingredients, right? Wow. So breath work gets you focused on the present moment. This is the place of possibility and wonder right in this moment. Not the one just happened and not the one that's going to happen that you're planning for. You know, because what happens in this moment, this moment is when you're making the choices, And so that's why this is the moment that's important to focus on, (laughs) right? So funny because that that is a great explanation for it because, yeah, I've spent probably the last 10 years or so really exploring mind, body, spirit, a lot of spiritual texts. So like Eckhart Tolle, obviously Mm -hmm. very, um, you know, famous spiritual teacher, you know, Oprah's a huge fan, right? And, you know, he'll say things like be present, you know, but when a spiritual teacher says that to somebody who's used to jumping out of bed in the morning, grabbing a quick shower, putting on that pencil skirt and heels and running to the office and just go, go, go all day, present is so difficult to even fathom, right? Because like, you feel like, oh, I'm I'm here. Well, you're not there. A lot of that is because when we're go, 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 our thoughts, we identify with our thoughts. They're right on top of us. It's almost like they're on our back, like a, that bird on the cow's back that the cow can't see it or whatever. It's like they're, we, we identify with them as if they are us and we are them. Yeah. You know, that's where breath work starts to create that space and gives you that space of stillness to where you're like, oh, my thoughts are actually a pebble compared to what actually is happening. And then once you can see your thoughts as not you, that's when you can really <laughs> understand that ha- the, the weight and the gravity of that stillness um, and the power that it has. Yeah, because isn't that where most people who are creative get inspired by stillness or in that state of stillness? Because if you're running around and your brain is just going, 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 you don't make any room for anything new or innovative or creative, right? Yeah. Yeah. It has to have, there has to be that space for that, that spontaneous uh, flow. You know, um, when you know, when everything's black and white and you know what's happening next and you're thinking, 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 and you're checking things off the list, there's a rigidity there that doesn't allow for spontaneity and um, I would say spontaneity is the spice of life. And it really is because there's something about 
um, it's not it's not being spontaneous. I'm not talking about going in, uh, like leaving work early and being spontaneous or anything. It's a yeah, it's like a, running it's, off it's, to Mexico. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's um it's allowing that spontaneity to happen whenever it happens, and and being being aware enough and present enough that you recognize that you can recognize that shift. And that's another thing that I teach with the breath work, you know, because those kinds of things, when you can, when you start training in them and tracking in them, then when you, when you walk out that door, you're going to notice that you're just, it's going to have changed your perspective enough that you see that in everything you do. Yeah. Like you can expect the unexpected and the joyful. Yeah. I love that. I like to go all day waiting for joyful things to happen. Yes. And creating, and then you get to create that space for pause and presence. Yes. And that's when you start to really feel empowered, right? When you're making those choices, um, not like the you're running away, you're just, you know, you're being chased. (laughs) You get to (laughs) what they say behind the eight ball and you're like, okay, where's this ball going to (laughs) go? Right. Exactly. So most of the work that you do, then I know you do classes, you've done webinars, um, you know, but you also work one-on-one with executives primarily, right? Yeah, I work, I will work with, I work with executives. I work with, um, People who are um, transitioning from jobs, you know, especially uh, people that are like, I mean, that that can be really scary. It can feel like you're jumping from one canyon to another. And um, again, that's your mind just saying that. And but if you're feeling an urge to shift or change or grow in some way, that's really a soul's calling. So. Um, you know, your mind's going to do everything to try to stop you. And so that's a, that's a really great wheelhouse for me, whether it's executives. Um, I, uh, I have also worked with a lot of men who are, uh, transitioning out of work. Um, because I, I see, um, uh, one really big thing is, you know, men have, and women, of course, but, um, there's this, anyone who has this identity that has just identified with work um, and then feel feels like something's missing, right? Because yeah, you never nurtured all that other stuff. Yeah. That, right. And, and you so, don't even know how to do it or where to start. Yeah. So there's just, there are all kinds of uh, opportunities to develop into areas that, um, you know, we're, we're all in a way seekers, you know, especially people that identify as leaders are seekers. And I also love working with people that don't see themselves as leaders yet, because, you know, all you need to be a leader is just have that real sense of, you know, we've all got special information from our perspective that we can share and teach others with. So I really encourage um, people and, and do a lot of talking, uh, um, talking, speaking, uh, with people who don't quite see that yet in themselves. Wow. That's cool. So the unwinding compass is something that you've created. Can you tell us what that is all about and, you know, kind of give us the, the high level overview? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the unwinding compass is a, it's like a mental architecture that I created so that you can easily guide your mind. You can do it 
close eyed sitting on a when if you learning to meditate, it's a great tool to learn to meditate. You can use it open eyed uh, when you're uh, standing in line at the grocery store and you're like number 12 in the self check line and you're, you know, your phone went dead and you're just like about to jump out of your skin. Right. When you focus on your breath, you bring your mind into your body. And so when your mind and your body are in alignment like that, you feel more at peace. Like even if you're struggling or hurting or you have past trauma where you don't quite feel safe in your body yet, this is a path. This structure will help you to um, focus your mind on what you want it to focus on. Because if you don't do that, it's going to go wherever the heck it wants to go. And it usually always ends up in a cul-de-sac that we're not, <laughs> that we'd rather not be in. You know what I'm saying? I love that analogy. It's in a cul-de-sac. It's stuck. Done. No going anywhere. Yeah. You run out of gas in a cul-de-sac that, of, uh, yeah, that you don't want to be in. So it's great. So I, um, so like a compass, it's got an N, an E, an S and a W. Okay. Um, the N is notice. The E is explore. S for savor. The W for wander. Now stay with me. I'll go through this, but I just want to say that in many cultures, including the Maya, um, there is a fifth point. We think of four points on a compass. There's a fifth point and it's in the center. So um, it connects the earth and sky above, below. And what's interesting is cultures that have this center in the compass, they see themselves in the center. And they also, we have a tendency in, in our culture, like we feel, we easily feel separate. We easily feel out, out like an outsider, but sure. People that have in their mind's eye that they're in the center of this compass feel automatically connected. Like the Maya, they don't separate. That's not the animals in the for jungle and them. They they are just part of the jungle. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's not, not nature is not something outside of you. Yeah, right? they're like they see themselves. Thank you, nature. Yeah, they see <laughs> themselves as part of nature, and so. You know, I've experienced myself, but also my clients, when we work with this compass, it has a way to help you really start to feel that connection um, within and, and that you're a part of the whole. And so what we do is we start by noticing your breath. So the notice is notice your breath. You know, no, yeah. just, and then what are you, you know, I'm noticing my breath is coming in. I'm noticing my breath is going out. I'm noticing my inhale. I'm noticing my exhale. I'm noticing my belly rising. I'm no, noticing my belly falling. Like we can just stay and notice. And I'll, I'll just say this, just um, that I have um, meditations on YouTube um, that take you through the, through this. So like I have okay. one that's just that you just, it's like a five minute, just on notice. We just stay with this notice point. But then if you're just doing the compass and you notice your breathing and then you explore your breathing and your body. Okay. So now 
we're seeing where does it go? It comes in the nose. It goes down into my chest. I feel my lungs expand. I can feel my belly expand. I'm exhaling. The breath is leaving. Like we can really bring in our mind's eye, bring that that exploration, that curiosity. Where's it going? How does it feel? And I use uh, soften, soften the hands, lengthen the spine, open the chest, widen the eyes. So S-L-O-W is slow. So I say in explore, we say, where can I soften, lengthen, open, widen? Hmm. Right now, savor is savor what's here, right? So you've done that. Where's the openness? Where's the tension? Where's the contraction? Where's the space? That's, that is the savor, savor what's here. Now that when you start to savor, that's when your mind goes, nope, uh -uh, I'm good. Uh, I need to remember what I'm going to be cooking for dinner tonight or, (laughs) you know, the, or the phone will ring like, and, and so you don't, you know, one of these points, but usually savor, it's like, oop, I'm out. And the mind goes, (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) But Hey, we have a point for that. It is the W it is wander. The mind will wander. And, we just bring it back. You just return it to the breath. So the beautiful thing about the wander is not, you know, because what happens? Most people, what happens with meditation is it's like, oh God, I can't do this. I was thinking about my dog again and I failed. Well, it's not that your mind went away. It's that you noticed your mind went away and you brought it back. That's a celebration. That's a win. That's so That's That's what we focus on, right? Right. So it's when you notice. It could be gone for three, five, seven minutes. Who cares? The great thing is you noticed, you brought it back into the center. You returned it to the breath. You returned it to the center. And then when you're in the center, which is really the place of stillness too, once you get this, but you can be in that center and you can hold all the points at the same time. Wow. Right. And so you can notice, explore, savor, wander into making a grocery list, you know, and return. We can do it all. We can do that all at the same time, you know, proving to our thinking that, okay, we can make you this big. We can make you the size of a pea and still, you know, be whole and be complete and feel connected and feel stillness. Right. And anytime in this whole thing, like if you're like, notice my breath up, phone rings, go back to the breath. You know, it it doesn't, you don't have to do it. I I was uh, coaching this one woman one time and she was like, I keep messing up on it. I keep messing up on it. I can't do it in order. There's no order. Like, you know, (laughs) yeah, there's no order. order. The points on the compass either. Yeah. It's all, (laughs) it's like, yeah, where are you on the compass? Right. Where are you? Where do you want to be? And that's a great, that's how this compass can also guide. It's just, it's a guide, right? It helps you go, where am I? Okay, where do I want to be? Right? How do I want to feel? And just work with that. So now that you've created this and you've created this new wellness journey for yourself, you're already doing wellness, but now you're kind of on this path. How is your life different now? that you're focusing on breath work, you've created the unwinding compass compared to what it was before? 
Um, you know, it, it was, it's interesting because I taught yoga and I taught breath work for a long time. Um, but, and you know, when, before, before COVID, like you go into a yoga studio, you just go into the studio. What has happened since then? And especially now with one-on-one coaching is the, the shift is from the, from that, from like, I'm teaching yoga, I'm teaching breath work to the person and, you know, Mm -hmm. the person that comes to me and it's like their story, their struggles, their obstacles, and using this information to transform their life rather than before somebody showing up and me just going like, here, this is going to help you. It's, it's driven by my client. It's driven by their needs and their goals. And um, so that's been very uh, powerful, a very powerful shift and very powerful to see those changes in people. Yeah. Now you get to see the outcome, right? Where before. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's the thing that I love about coaching as well, is it's like, we make a plan, you know, you, you tell me where you want to be and Um, you know, where have you been? Where do you want to be? We create a plan. We set goals. You show up every week and you come, you know, the messier you show up, the more, the more work's going to get done. You know, it's like, you don't want to just like, you know, put on your make, put on your mask and show up and be like, what a great week I've had. You want to come and bring it all. And then we break it down and then you get to build it up in a whole new way. And, you know, that's the other thing I really wanted to mention is this whole idea of neuroplasticity and brain plasticity for so long. You know, we thought uh, that our, Oh, well, whatever you learned when you were five, that's it. And it's stuck or with 13, your brain stopped. And we know that's not true anymore. We have this adaptability and this plasticity. We can, uh, notice our thoughts, notice the ones that are not serving us and are not working for us, pluck it out, find the one we want to be thinking and feeling and living and plug it back in, you know, and that's the great thing about getting a consistency with a coach is you're going to go off and do your week and fall into old habit. And then you're going to come back and I'll be like, Okay, how did you remember that? Oh my gosh, that's right, that thought. And then you just keep practicing that and you go back. And then before you know it, you're like, I've got a whole new way I'm thinking about things and looking at things. And so that's a really, um, that's the power of having a coach is being able to really move, move that dial a lot faster than trying to do it on your own, which, you know, our brains, um, don't really like that. We easily fall into these low energy cycles because your brain's just going to pick out what you're doing wrong. Um, it's not going to be noticing what, where you have improved. Yeah. Until you rewire it with neuro neuroplasticity. I love that visual of like your brain actually rewires. And what's interesting is, is I know when I'm learning something very new or I know I'm making a shift and a change, my brain will actually get hot in spots and I can feel it's like the weirdest thing. And I I described it to somebody who did energy work and they were like, wow, that's really interesting. (laughs) And I guess that doesn't happen to everybody, but for some weird reason it happens to me. So I've said that's neat. 
Okay, my brain is actually literally rewiring itself right now. How cool is that? <laughs> so, beautiful. Next time I have a headache, that's I'm gonna think like, oh my, it's just my brain rewiring itself. It's just your brain rewiring itself. It's all good. <laughs> Don't worry. And take an take an Advil and go. That's sit right. Up <laughs> so, all right. So if you didn't do this work, now you have done a lot of wellness before too. So this may be a, a, a hard question to answer. But what do you think your life would be like if you had not gone down this path? I would be a lot more um stressed out i was i was not happy i was very i was a very skeptical doubtful person i was in scarcity a lot because that you know that's the other thing that we we you know we have to look at where we come from you know the legacy you know that's the other part of this is it's like what legacy did you come from what legacy do you want to carry forward you know i talk a, a lot about the emotional legacy and so, you know, the emotional legacy is really what I wanted to change. So if I hadn't changed my emotional legacy, I would be, um, I would be very skeptical, very doubtful. I would, um, I would probably, um, I would definitely not be as happy and I probably wouldn't be as nice. <laughs> You're a much kinder person, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I just, you know, thinking about it, I would be so, so stressed. I'm might have an autoimmune situation because, you know, that's the other thing, like, like when I got cancer in my twenties, it was like, I just realized the, like the push that I was putting myself in and the things I was telling myself and making myself do things, or I, I had to stop. I mean, I, I might not be here. Let's just say that. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. <laughs> I think that's a huge um, revelation, right? It's like, man, if yeah. I hadn't started this, I might not even be sitting here right now having this conversation. I would not have my happy marriage. I would not have my wonderful adopted child. Um, yeah. Wow. I love that. This has been so amazingly inspirational. And I am so happy that you've come on to talk to us about this today. I've got, I've learned so much just listening to you for the last, you know, 20 minutes or so. Uh, is there anything you would like to leave our guests with? Like, are there any suggestions you have for getting started into breath work or how can they learn more about you specifically? Like your YouTube channels one. Right? Yeah. So um, I say that my Instagram is my website. It's uh, Jane's J A N E S dot unwinding dot compass. Um, I, I put videos there, lots of information there, um, it, webinars that I do, I put on there, which I do, I try to do every month or so, um, and my YouTube, I, um, there's a lot of uh, stuff on my YouTube, which is also Jane's Unwinding Compass, I believe, um, and I would just encourage, uh, uh, people to go there and uh, try some of those meditations and listen to some of that. Because, um, you know, the, the other thing is, is that people are being given these um, apps by work, like, oh, go do meditation. And I just really want to encourage people that it's really hard to do something like that. If you've never done it before, it can feel very intimidating or like it's not mine or connected. And it really is important to have a guide. And when you do have a guide, um, someone really walking you through that, it can really feel amazing and fruitful and you make it your own. It's not like that's not for me. There's, you can find something for you. It's, it's all there. So. I love that. And I think this idea of having a guide is very important because I used to be 
kind of similar, right? It was like, I was go, 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 I'll quit, you know, I'll go or I'll quit. And I just was stressed out all the time. I was just running all the time. I was sarcastic and not as kind as I am this, these days. And in fact, I ran into somebody the other day who was kind of rude to me. And um, the first thought was I should say something sarcastic back. And then I thought, you know, buddy, you're just lucky I'm on a kindness journey right now. <laughs> I love that. The so I was like, nope, I'm not going there. I'm just taking it. And I literally took a breath and was just like, mm-hmm, it's not worth it. Okay, we're moving on. But, so you know, good. So good. tie up so much of your stuff in there. But, you know, having a group of people or hearing stories like what you just shared or hearing what I just shared, people can go, you know what? I can also do that. And maybe I should engage yeah. with their like-minded people to do these kinds of things. So like yoga classes, like you've said, for example. Yes. You know, like you being a coach and I know other people who do coaching, um, you know, people kind of think, oh, I don't need a coach, you know, but wait, coaching is really to me, it's that guide that you were yeah. talking about. It's that other person who isn't you to help kind of draw those things yeah. you and help point you in the right direction. But you're still doing all the work. You're just not doing it all by yourself. You're not doing it all by yourself. You have you have help. You have assistance. You have accountability. You have you get weekly acknowledgement. You know, and the other thing that I do is um, I also, so I have a one on, you get a one-on-one class with me where we talk, you know, I always say like the brain loves to go, go, go. I used to try to do the meditation and breath work in with the same coaching, but I'm like, no, no, no. The brain needs its own, you know, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, hour to do its thing. But then we have another session. So you get two sessions a week with me. And the other session is we, no talking. It's just you write in your journal, you do the breath work, the body work. You know, and then anything you want to talk about, you bring it to the class, and it's worked really well because it gives your you, it gives your feeling body a, a, a space to have an experience, and then your brain gets its you know gets its word in as well. So I love that. Well, you know, it, it's funny because people will say, "Oh, I just don't have time to engage a coach or whatever." It's like, well, think about how much you oh, think yeah. all day long, right? I mean, if you're yeah. going to your clients that first hour to just think and yabber. Yeah. Well, they're already going to be doing that somewhere anyway. So that's one hour off the list. And then you're only investing that extra, what, hour or so to work? Yeah, you're exactly right. It's efficiency. There's efficiency and economy. And you go, you do, you go farther, faster. Um, Yeah. Like things you're dealing with, you could just, you could, if you want to talk about checking things off the list, get a coach. Check yeah. it off your list. <laughs> Figure out what it is you need and go find right. who does that and hire them to be your coach or your exactly. guy or your Sherpa or what do you want to call it? Yeah. You know, it's somebody other than you to, to help you get it done. Yeah. I love this. Gosh, this has been so much fun. Thank you for being on. This has been Thank you, Gail. Good. It has been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed having this conversation with Jane about her unwinding compass method and the wisdom that can be found in engaging a coach to help you become the best person that you can be. If you'd like to learn more about Jane, you can find her on Instagram, as she mentioned, and you can find many of her videos about this method on her YouTube channel. Her handle is Jane's Unwinding Compass. This concludes our full interviews for episode four. It's been another amazing journey with three more guests. The next episode of Choice Wisdom will air in early March, and it is in honor of International Women's Day. It will feature interviews with women who are investing in other women. If you want to be notified when this episode drops, please take a moment to go out to choicewisdompodcast.com and sign up for email alerts. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast, and you will be notified when new episodes air. Until then... 
keep making great choices and stay inspired. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Choice Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host and the creator of the podcast, Gail Goodman Lynch. The opinions expressed by my guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners or producers of this podcast. The information shared on the podcast is intended to inspire you, but is not presented as legal, financial, or medical advice. Choice Wisdom is produced and edited by the amazing team at MZ Studios in Dallas and is part of the Co-Equal Network. Copyright 2024, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit choicewisdompodcast.com. With a sparkle in your eye, forever young. Every moment this is life, take it.